Ah, uh, how are you? Welcome to the Higher Trainer Podcast. This week, I this week, this episode, I am joined by Orla Swan, aka the Health Hub. Orla is an MNU registered nutritionist and she also has a background in science. Now myself and Orla have a great chat about her journey with IBS and what brought her into wanting to become a nutritionist and we chat a little bit about alcohol and weight loss and a load of other subjects. I'm not going to hold, hold on to you for much longer. You enjoy the podcast. As always, if you enjoy it, share a picture of it to your story, tell your friends about it. Give me a little bit of feedback and help spread the good word and all the good messages that we're trying to put in this with the podcasts. All right, that's me done. Enjoy the podcast. Boom, and we are live. Thanks again for coming on, Orla. Really appreciate it. No problem at all. <laughs> see if this fly keeps buzzing around, man. <laughs> uh, I think a good way to start off the podcast would be for you to tell us who is the health hun and why, why are you called the health hun? Yeah, it's actually funny. Um, I'm starting to own it now, but I used to think it was something very cringy. And I'd be like, oh, I have this blog called The Health Hun. Um, but it's kind of like I've got a lot of feedback from people saying that they like the name and it like rolls off the tongue and things like that. So I was like, maybe it's not all that bad. <laughs> um, but basically, I just set up a blog um, about two years ago now. Um, I was meant to be doing my final year college reports and I just started typing. Um, Procrastination. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I am the queen of procrastination, like literally the queen. I have come up with book titles. I have come up with <laughs> blogs. I created a blog, like anything and everything and anything to avoid doing my work. Um, but I, I've actually started to see it as a creative way of doing things rather than being like, oh my God, will you just start doing your work? Because yeah. I've come up with a blog out of it and what I'm doing now. So anyways, tangent number one. <laughs> loads um, of tangents Love oh them. so many so many i'm trying to rein it in but uh <laughs> don't rein it in go wild if i if it needs be i'll rein it in <laughs> <laughs> you can get, get do like a safe word or something like that yeah. <laughs> uh, but um oh yeah so i basically just started typing um and it was kind of like my frustrations with like the medical system and how i had been treated uh or well not treated really um so i just started typing about how health isn't really viewed holistically um, I don't mean holistically in terms of like naturopathic ways or anything like that. I mean, in terms of like looking at your lifestyle, your nutrition, obviously your sleep, your mental health, how you're talking to yourself, how your, your relationships are, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I would have, I had IBS and PCOS. Um, at the time I was diagnosed with IBS probably around four years. Um, and I was undiagnosed with PCOS at the time. So I had a good few issues that I didn't know what was going on. But I was starting to join the dots with like stress and my over-exercise and under-eating and things like that. Um, and I was basically prescribed medication to to solve my problems, um, but it didn't actually do anything for me. So I, I was basically just ranting about how this stuff is what's the first line of call is the medication that doesn't do anything for you um, and it can cause more harm than good. So it was just a rant basically that turned yeah. into me creating a blog. Um, I was ready for some slagging off my mates when I did it first. I was shitting myself to post the first <laughs> one. Um, but I did it and then I didn't even make an Instagram page until about like 10 months later or so because I never really wanted to be like a blogger or anything like that or an influencer. Um, and I suppose I'm still not really. I'm just, I, I still don't really see myself as that kind of person. I'm just someone who like to, likes to educate and empower people you don't um, have to call yourself an influencer just be, once you get followers <laughs> you can just still say you're an educator yeah, if you exactly. self if you self label yourself influencer influencer then i'd be worried <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> yeah but i also wouldn't mind a few products to be sponsored by someone well, so you know. <laughs> good quality no, ones no teas I know. I have actually been sent because I kind of promote good health and things like that. I have been sent a lot of shite, basically, mm. um, and a lot of it is targeted on like, like you're saying, teas and detoxes and things like that. I remember getting sent a tray of these drinks that were meant to be like liquid health, I think they were called, and they're basically like natural laxatives. Um, oh. That's essentially what they were, um, which is so funny because that's what like gut health means is to clear your system out, and it's just so wrong. Terrible, so wrong. terrible. I haven't tried any of those myself, any of them sort of teas, but uh, 
I can imagine that it's not a great experience, is it? No, <laughs> no not at all. I've tried a few because like when you're in that position with IBS and nothing's really working, you'll literally try anything. Yeah. And it's also just from a place of not having an awareness or an, or an understanding of like a starting point of what actually is going to be beneficial. So, yeah. Did they did educate you at all or did they educate you at all whenever you went in and they told you you had IBS and... No, no education. No, um, it was literally like here's a laxative prescription. Um, but there you go. Um, I remember I got um a colonoscopy, which is a really really unpleasant thing, and I I think I was on Valium or something, so it was a bit out. Of it. And uh, <laughs> they were like to me, "Yep, yeah, you've got IBS. Um, avoid caffeine, avoid chocolate, and you'll be grand." And I was like, "What?" So I was still in a delirious state, so I wasn't processing what was happening. I was still yeah I was out of my head um, and they were telling me that there is a diagnosis like a life-changing diagnosis but two there's those two simple things that like really don't have that much of an impact on the the condition obviously caffeine does have an impact but like there's so much more to it um, mm. so I've just spent the last few years figuring it out I, I think it took me about three years to kind of actually get to a place where I understood what was happening in my body um and now the the connection between the gut and brain and the kind of research that's coming out for that for practical advice for patients with IBS is is a lot more there's a a greater awareness and there's easier access to that information whereas before it was just like okay let's try cutting out these things and there's it was all about restriction Mm. rather about like what's missing from your diet what's missing from your lifestyle prioritizing self-care meditation all those kind of things so yeah, because yeah. if you're cutting out all those like chocolate, um, I know that you like chocolate. Uh, she was eating a little bit of chocolate before <laughs> she came on, just to let the people know. Uh, but like being told, <laughs> being told something that you can't have something that you like, you really enjoy. It's a really hard thing to face. Mm, yeah, I'm a proper chocoholic as well, so I was like, <laughs> mm, don't think we're gonna do that. Um, so yeah, I didn't even take that advice as well because it was so annoying. <laughs> I was just like literally like who are you to tell me not to eat chocolate and there was no <laughs> but there was no like meaning behind it as well there was no like well can you explain why so I think that's where all of this started as well I really need to know why things I have that um real inquisitive mindset so I did science as my undergrad so I think that's kind of um that mindset is kind of embedded in me but I also think that I'm a bit obsessed with the human body not gonna lie I just yeah. I, I just find it fascinating when people have no awareness of their body but also don't really want to know anything about their body yeah. they're like rush or whatever I'll just eat this I'll do that you tell me what to do won't you and you're like oh my god what <laughs> I find out with like with exercise like I'm fascinated by how the body moves and how it responds to force and and all these things and like proprioception like people it annoys me when people don't know like how to even control the body in, in the smallest ways mm. or know about like the slightest parts of the body not annoys me but it's like you should take some ownership to, of your body you know yeah. you yeah. can't always expect somebody else to to tell you exactly what you should what should do all the time yeah but people want the easy way out you see they do they do <laughs> but that's that's what uh myself and yourself are there for you know not the yeah. easy way out but we're there to help people give them a bit of inf- information a little bit of guidance exactly but it also goes down to people's interests as well like yeah. not everyone's like nerdy like us in the little things that we sure. like um like they could be t- someone could talk to me about politics or something and i'm like mm, you have no interest <laughs> like, <laughs> just goes off in my head so there's loads of different things that people will want to find out about but then it's also the element that they might have had bad experiences in the past so they don't see the point in trying another alternative and things mm. like that so never give up as what i always say yeah never give up if you if you haven't found the right way you just need to keep trying until you find the right way mm. you know and uh that was uh something something you mentioned earlier about like you were being told these are these are the two things you should avoid and that was basically it is there a lot of examples of that with that with IBS or do you know of like other people that like get similar? Um, yeah. So, so IBS, it's a gut brain disorder. Mm. But what people would tend to focus on is just the food element of it mm. and focus on restricting everything. Um, because of the fear of the unknown, first of all, um, not really knowing what's going on in your body. And we kind of, te- if you think about it, like logically, um, 
if you eat something and you have a reaction in your stomach, it's most likely from the food you ate. That's kind of the conclusion that we come to. But there's so many other elements to it. Um, but I, like I feel like I've tried everything and anything. I think if someone was starting off with a journey with IBS now, it'd be very different to their starting point in comparison to mine. So I suffer with constipation. So I would have tried everything and anything to get everything moving. Um, but I, I would have probably done too much and I would have caused a lot of harm to my stomach with like laxatives and things like that and there wouldn't have been any guidance with that so I tried to then remove the laxatives from my lifestyle and try and use things like prunes and like natural stimulants and mm. then like aloe vera and senna you know like senna cut and yeah. um, all these kind of natural things that's kind of where I think a lot of people would start off these days but it's still anything that's going to like stimulate the gut like even your caffeine and um, people would tend to to go to that alternative because it, it does make sense that you want to get it moving so you stimulate the gut in some way but um the thing is is you want to have regularity and consistency in everything that you're doing so that you don't actually need to to stimulate it in any way shape or form um the other thing at the moment is the fodmap diet um it's not a new diet but it would be I suppose that awareness again is increased for um like people are setting up Instagram pages left, right, and center. And they'll have like FODMAP free, um, which isn't isn't how the diet is meant to be. It's essentially like you work under guidance. Um, you would have fly stuff floating around. Yeah, I know, that's why I keep moving so it can't sit in me. Maybe <laughs> going for the face. Um, <laughs> the uh it's meant to be done under guidance because essentially what you're doing is you're restricting these foods called FODMAPs. Um, so they're types of like fibers, sugar, alcohols, and things like that. And essentially they're fermented by the gut bacteria um when they are when you consume them. But they can also increase water um to the to your colon, can't think of the word. Um but that, that can cause those symptoms and it can cause irritable um it can trigger your gut basically mm. so people will logically again think let's remove all these from the diet and um, but that's not the purpose of the diet it's essentially you have a restriction phase where you do remove everything but you do reintroduce it um because it's it's a very it's a very hard diet to be on constantly but it can also open up like nutrition dif- deficiencies and then there's also the prebiotic element mm. so some of these foods are what are called prebiotics and they are like the energy source of choice for your gut microbes for the good ones um so if you want them to thrive you have to have a diverse range of whole grains fruits vegetables all that kind of stuff um but if you're restricting all this stuff then you're restricting them for good health oops drop you're restricting everything for good health but you're actually causing more long-term damage because you're depriving your gut microbes of essential nutrients to thrive basically um so that that's a thing that a lot of people will do and they'll just they'll cut out all FODMAPs and avoid all them um because they think they trigger foods and when they haven't actually had a look at their own body to see if it is a trigger for them or if it's just a general food that can cause some harm in people because it's also dosage dependent and so like I could have beans today and they might cause me little to no harm and tomorrow I might have a lot of other foods that are high FODMAP I could also be stressed it's not just about food as well it's how you are before you eat the food Mm. and so one thing I would always say to people is to never eat when you're busy stressed emotional or on the go and because that's you're not in a good starting point before you eat the food so you're not giving your body chance to even digest it and so yeah Yeah. get get, get into that rest and digest yeah um i've i've had uh, a couple of clients um go on the fodmap uh, diet and they did similar things where they didn't basically try and reintroduce it and i wasn't it was nothing to do with me they were seeing somebody yeah. else to do with that and uh i just obviously i couldn't pray too much somebody else was looking after they yeah. didn't reintroduce it and they kept can complaining about you know wasn't really getting any better and their stomach was wasn't much better at all and they were missing out in the foods that then they were enjoying yeah it obviously it it depends it's individual like um the dosage as you said but also particular foods might be individual yeah but it can be also about like what you're excluding from your diet so mm. um so many people are in this 
we need to remove things from the diet because it's going to cause harm and it does again it makes sense um but the thing is that what's missing from your diet tends to be your fibers um and it's usually like a really simple thing to just improve your digestion and everything else will follow um but again we look at what we can remove from the diet um the typical thing I found with so many girls is minimal calories, but also they're afraid to have their carbs still, and some still afraid to have fats, um, because they're, again it goes back to like foods that are demonized. Um, like they'll typically have a salad and a portion of protein, and there'll be little to no carbs there. Um, and what you're having is really high portions of insoluble fiber, um, which is good for you. It's still fiber, it's still nutrients, but you're missing the soluble fiber. And if you're someone that struggles with digestion, um gut motility and constipation and things like that and you're not including that soluble fiber you're kind of like you're asking for trouble it's just kind of getting stuck there and it's not going to move along so there's there's those elements of it as well and that's what i'm trying to explain to some of my clients and they're just like god there's so much to think about <laughs> <laughs> imagine being um, you whenever you have all the information in the head and trying to direct it to them <laughs> I know, I know. That's what I'm trying to do one thing at a time. Um, and not overload them. I'm just like, come to yeah. me, I have so much to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, early on I was definitely guilty of like throwing everything at them, like, you know, whenever I was a coach, being like too much information, but you just need to keep it simple yeah. because it can be Absolutely. overwhelming. Yeah. You want to build like those good habits in place rather than just telling them what to do. You want them to have a lifestyle change rather than like just another weight loss thing or just another thing to listen to i i love how what i get to do now is individualized um it's not like plans or anything like that it's getting to work with my clients and getting them to know understand their bodies their symptoms their life triggers and things like that as well yeah it's more it's more nutrition is more than just a a diet plan or a sheet telling you exactly (laughs) what to eat that was one thing that early on whenever i started training that like I would have done different challenges and gotten really good shape, but it would have been following diet plans and it kind of worked yeah. against me. I had a terrible, terrible, like, um, relationship with food. Uh, mm-hmm. used to eat nothing but chicken, broccoli and rice. It was one of them ones. Uh, terrible. I did that as well. <laughs> uh, and steak for breakfast and fish for breakfast and all, all this stuff. It was, Oh God, no. Didn't it, do it, that, it was pretty rank and it was definitely, I'd say my gut health was probably at its worst, but I was in my best <laughs> shape. It just goes to show like you don't, have to look good to be healthy and just because yeah. you look good you don't you're not healthy well you might not be healthy yeah that that's one of the messages i try to portray on my page as well is that at my leanest and at my most shredded i was so deeply unhappy and so like psychologically fucked because i was so obsessed with the diet obsessed with what i was eating obsessed with my stomach shrinking um because of with ibs you kind of get that body dysmorphia because call a spade a spade you look like a bloated whale 24 7 if you're if you're not in if you're not looking after yourself you don't understand your condition um which a lot of the time it is just about education but with that i thought like that those six week plans those eight week plans were going to fix me um and i just wanted to get leaner and leaner and smaller and smaller and i was always focusing on trying to get abs um even though they mean nothing (laughs) no but uh i i constantly i got i got hooked into it and i had a lot of issues with binge eating and things like that as well um but like that again i my body was so severely unhealthy because i was so underweight too lean not looking after myself um but it's probably still weren't having image. great crack either though were you you probably weren't going out at all I was still living my best life. Not oh, gonna yeah. lie. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in terms of, so yeah, I was trying to burn the candle at both ends. Um, I would have gone out a lot and I would have drank a lot, which added to a lot of stress. I wouldn't mm. have got much sleep and things like that as well. So, but I wouldn't have had much crack in terms of like eating out and things like that. Like I would have went to the cinema and brought like little snacks at me and things like that rather than just enjoying food um Mm. which I love food I absolutely love food and for me to think back and think of how little I ate and to even think oh that's there's less carbs if I do this or there's if I just use egg whites here and all those kind of things and it was like a I was getting further and further into that restrictive mindset but it was like an achievement for me that I was finding out all these low calorie foods um which were causing harm for me in terms of the lack of calories but then also because of with low calorie foods they tend to be high in FODMAPs and because they have those artificial sweeteners in them um which is something that 
I it's a real hard one to navigate with people because you you want to encourage weight maintenance and you want to encourage being able to spot swapping things for low calories to ensure that they're not eating too much of a surplus or anything like that but then you're also you're challenged if they have underlying health conditions because of how it can cause harm to them um so that's one i'm still trying to figure out <laughs> mm. but i'm trying to teach people that it's there's more to diet and or there's more to just eating not even dieting um than calories it's, it's about your health and it's about what you can be missing if you have that protein bar versus having real food um not that there's nothing wrong with protein bars but i i, I wouldn't be a fan I've tried almost every protein bar on the planet. I was that fellow who wouldn't have eaten food. I would have went for protein bar like two or three in a day, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Terrible. Um, I wouldn't really eat them now at all. They t- actually, every time I taste them, I'm like, it just tastes so unnatural. Yeah. Powdery. Yeah. And they have on the back of them, if you actually read them, it says can cause laxative effects. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> You learn pretty early on when you're uh, drinking two or three protein shakes a day and eating protein bars. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And that was one thing, and I, I think it's pretty common, well, maybe not pretty common, but a lot of young lads, when they start training, especially if they want to get big, they just try and take supplements rather than eating food. Um, yeah. It's never really a good route to go down. Costly route no. to go down as well. Yeah, I know. Are you... To, when I remember I was in college I used to buy like multi-packs of the bears um, and I used to have them as a stash there because when you're on a budget in college college, so if I bought them in bulk I'd have them there but then also so I wouldn't be like tempted to have any other things in college instead of just enjoying myself and having a chicken fillet roll or something like uh, chicken fillet rolls <laughs> don't talk to me about chicken fillet rolls you can't get them over here in London can you? like yes I, you, get, I you can get chicken in a anymore. roll no you don't eat them anymore no I'm, I'm actually turned off by meat that i don't know is actually like from a real chicken or something right, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. like so like chinese's and things like that now don't get me wrong i'll still eat like thai food and pizza and stuff like that but i i am very cautious of like fake meat basically mm. um it's probably in my head but i am i do understand the potential harm or potential health um implications for meat and like meats that aren't real and like could be carcinogenic and things like that with like bell cancer and stuff like that mm. um just another thing that i'm at risk out with so another thing i have to look out for um but i i don't get me wrong i still definitely eat meat. i'm not a vegetarian in the slightest yeah. um but i would try and look for those good sources of meat rather than like having a chicken fillet well because that just freaks me out i think yeah. i saw a video of it one time of how it's made and i was like nope never again <laughs> don't send that video to me i don't want you to ruin it on me. <laughs> i i would try and do the same myself and try and eat good quality meat rather than like just buying buying yeah. cheap stuff um but like just going back to the local uh like local options for food um they are I, I obviously you would know better than I am, but the, the I've used them as a viable option, you know, to swap things out, but yeah. they should make up a very small percentage of, of, of the food that you're eating. Definitely. Definitely. Even, Sorry, one. Even for regular people, would uh, like would you would they notice any differences like with the any stomach issues if you Yeah, you can. Um because what they do is they attract water. Um they're not easily broken down, but then they can also um they can be fermented by the gut microbes and so in isolation so say take a protein um shake for example you could have that in isolation and that can cause severe bloating but if you have that mixed in with say fiber and other things as well it kind of diminishes the effect of it and so by say an example would be a low calorie yogurt or something like that Um, that's probably a bad example but i'm gonna roll with it you have um you could put like your toffee drops or your syrups and all that kind of stuff you're having it in very high dosages again it goes back to that dosage if you're not kind of counteracting that with other foods um which can be the problem people are tend to be like this is high protein this is low fat this is low carb this is what i need to eat all the time um and again it's like missing that health um view of food it's, it's everything is about like high protein everything's about low calorie um you're nodding your head because i know you can relate <laughs> yeah yeah all body composition related <laughs> oh absolutely everything yeah. so that it's just not all about macros um and i i just find it mad how people will track their calories and they'll track their vegetables and they'll leave the vegetables 
out of that. I don't know if you're doing that, so it's not a dig at you if you do. <laughs> no, I always put in the veg. Always yeah. put in the veg. You have to see what what fiber you're getting in. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like that, there has been research to show that protein in isolation can be somewhat harmful because essentially you're, you know, that's not to scare people off. It's not harmful <laughs> altogether. It's just mm. in isolation. If you're having a high protein diet and it's not counteracted with a high, high in fiber diet, there have been negative effects shown. Um, so that's one thing that people don't really know. And you're opening yourself up to high risk with bowel cancer and things like that. And people, again, with the likes of, like, you don't even have to have IBS. You can still have those good health symptoms. Um, like what you were saying, that you're rushing to the toilet after a few <laughs> protein bars. Yeah. So I, I, they're not harmful. They're just, you need that greater awareness. And you need to, like, again, it goes back to that. What are you not including from your diet when you're just focusing solely on these other things? Yeah, exactly. I always look, look at supplements as, like, you know, the cherry on top. Or, exactly. or or if like somebody's really struggling for to be able to get the meals in for protein, have a protein shake or whatever. Yeah. I purposely try and go days without protein shakes now just to see if I can do it. Because I got in that habit when I was younger. I would have had one every day for I'd say for about three years. <laughs> I uh I've had I've stopped having them. Um but then recently I something weird happened. It was like the start of lockdown. It's probably just the emotions, but I, I suddenly didn't like eggs. It was the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> And I felt real sick and I was like, I eat eggs like every day. Yeah. So I was like, what does one eat if you don't have eggs for breakfast? So um, I started having protein shakes in, sorry, protein in with my porridge, um, which probably isn't helping me, but I'm just getting my protein and it's keeping me full and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So yeah. I uh, tried to make a conscious effort not to eat eggs every day as well because I would have, would have done it. Um, I'd say for the first two weeks of, of uh, lockdown, apart from the days when I was having Cocoa Pops, they're Cocoa Pop days, they're sacred. Uh, <laughs> uh, trying to have things like smoothie bowls and st- uh, things that I wouldn't usually have. I wouldn't be at home for breakfast that much. So I was like, you know, I'll treat myself to a little smoothie yeah. bowl, throw a little bit of peanut butter in there. Yeah, I know. It is hard. I found it so hard to adjust to feel that at the start and I found myself getting so bored of my own cooking I was like I don't like this food (laughs) (laughs) it's the same flavor I was like no matter how many times I'm trying to make it differently it tastes the same so but yeah I'm adjusted now and I'm still I'm so happy the restaurants are still open so you can get takeaways class oh it's so good you're not supposed to say that you're a nutritionist (laughs) (laughs) takeaways yeah no no, healthy takeaways (laughs) it's the healthy takeaways in in Dublin there was definitely none in my hometown (laughs) like uh, it it depends what you like you call healthy like i think that people will call them unhealthy one because they could be loaded with joy which is fair and two because of the calories but like you could have a a healthy bowl of porridge that could have 800 calories in it um but people are calling it unhealthy because of the high amount of calories but i say pizza for example i like getting like fresh pizza or stone baked pizzas i see nothing wrong with that and um, you're having like <laughs> but you're getting like fresh ingredients and it tastes really good um so i i don't see the issue with that mm. i see the issue with the likes of dominoes and apache that are you've no idea what is mixed in with those ingredients and they're definitely not fresh um that that's where i'm like that's a bad takeaway but you can still really enjoy food and enjoy eating now it doesn't have to be this this bad thing or unhealthy in any way shape or form absolutely i i would i would push that a lot with like clients being guilty about like getting takeaways and i'm like look you knew you were going to get a takeaway and you enjoyed it um i'm sure you didn't eat that much the rest of the day so like no need to feel guilty about it yeah there's there's easy ways to adapt to it like like you're saying you didn't eat the rest of the day or you're like pushing your breakfast out so it's kind of like windowed eating and things mm. like that so it's about like people could educate themselves on like how to adapt to it then it's also like what's the big deal if you did this like like once on the weekend and i know there's the difference with people who take the piss and do eat the whole day and it's just like hit the focus button on the weekends and just eat what they want that's when you're like come on a bit of responsibility here <laughs> you're kind of doing this to yourself but 
I don't see the problem with enjoying food. Like life is too short to just be eating rabbit food all the time. And if you think about it, it's like like you were saying how much they enjoy that. And you, it's an experience that you're most likely eating with people and things like that. So if you go back to us eating like out of lunch boxes and eating protein shakes and stuff like that, that's not enjoyable. That's no. not enjoyable. No, I, I actually turned myself off salmon like for so long. And I used to love salmon, but I used to eat salmon every day, every day. But it would be cold. It would have no flavoring on oh. it. It would be with broccoli as well. And those are two foods that I still like kind of like shiver every time I, I'm eating them. Like, <laughs> It is hard because it's like PTSD over like how you used to eat. Like, I, I don't know how I did it. And like, I really enjoy food, like same as yourself. And I don't know how I could restrict myself. I couldn't do it. Well, mm. if I really had, if someone put a gun to my head, obviously I would do it. But like, I wouldn't choose to do it again. Um, no, no. And it doesn't have to be that way. People think that if you want to get in good shape, you need to restrict, but it doesn't no. have to be that way. The long-term no. approach is a harder sell though. Yeah, I know. I, I think that I even find people close to me that they're so caught up in that like, okay, it's kind of summer and they're like suddenly like, oh, I should be lean because it's nice outside. So they're like, oh, I, should, I didn't lose weight this summer because they'd have a holiday to plan for. <laughs> and I'm like, one, you shouldn't have to lose weight for your holiday but two if you do feel that you're not happy in your body you should have it in your lifestyle like long term like you're saying but like I, I don't see it kind of goes back to like the bodybuilding and people are like bulking and cutting and all that stuff but then also like people are having their off seasons in the winter where they're just like they're taking the time off they don't care what they look like they don't care about their health um, and then they get the smack in the face in the summer where they're like oh I'm, I'm, I'm not where I need to be and then they'll do those restrictive diets really low calorie and not in a sustainable way at all. But I, I, what changed for me was that this is, doesn't need to be a, a, a timed thing every time. It can just be your body and your lifestyle. Mm. Um, rather than I'm on a diet now and all this kind of stuff. I even remember last summer that I was like, I'm going to try and do a calorie deficit. Hadn't done one for about two years, but I was like, I'm after probably getting a little bit weak because of a uh, bit of stress and work but like it was nothing major I just wanted to kind of get a bit leaner um just for my holidays and I swear to god I didn't even have that much restriction but I had like this psychological um or just like a juice change my mindset where I was An like epiphany. I need, yeah like a, no it wasn't even that it was, it was like the opposite. <laughs> I love that word I just wanted to put it <laughs> <laughs> but it was like the reverse of it that I, I had that epiphany at one stage and I was like, this is my lifestyle now, I'm grand. But then I decided that I wanted to do the calorie deficit. And I was like, okay, I can't eat this and I can't eat that. And I started binging again. And I was like, I haven't binged in two years. I was like, why am I binging? Um, but it was because I introduced restriction and I saw that like, I can't eat this, I need to eat this. I was so obsessed with food again. Now, not, obviously not on it. It's the scale that I was a few years ago when I was in that like binge eating disorder and stuff like that. But I definitely did have a little bit of an impact and I was like, well, we won't be doing that. <laughs> There's obviously other strategies that you can use. You don't have to count calories to, uh, yeah. to get the body composition. You're like, um, what are some like other strategies that people could maybe incorporate themselves without having to go to a coach or fork out that money, even though they should. <laughs> yeah. Always do it under guidance. Um, Always. Yeah. No, even just to learn the starting point, I think it's so important to do it with a coach um, because there's so much information out there that you're like, I don't know what to be doing. This person's telling me to do keto. This person's telling me to do this. Um, and it can just get confusing and overwhelming rather than just sticking to one approach, giving it a shot, seeing does it work for you. Um, but like what I said there, I actually, I said calorie deficit, but I don't actually count calories. Mm. Um, I haven't counted calories in about three years now. Um, I just don't do it. Um, but I've, I'm lucky that I've been able to really tune into my body and kind of learn the ways of like intuitive eating. Um, and I can tell when I'm hungry, I can tell when I'm full. Um, and, I, and I eat consistently, you see. I don't really deviate too much. I will eat my portions. I'll make sure that I get my portions of protein, higher portions of protein, um, my carbs, my fats, all that kind of stuff. And I eat with a real health-focused approach. Um, I won't get too much. I won't get too caught up in looking for like low calorie things or anything like that. Um, but I suppose it did come from a place where I did count calories at one stage, so I have this this education to get me to the place that I am now. Um, so I found my portion control. If you're wanting to 
go into a calorie deficit is literally just how simple like it's literally just like have half the portion of rice have um so I would have had like oats before training um so in the afternoon and what I did was I just removed the oats and had like a protein yogurt instead so it's just little calorie swaps here and there um but again, you don't actually need to track calories. You don't need to open up like those obsessive tendencies or anything like that, or even just like rigid lifestyle of, of living your life by like numbers. So that's what I like. And I really like how that like, if I want to go have a donut or a meal for food, I'll just have it and I enjoy it. And there's no, there's no guilt associated. There's no, oh my God, I'm after going up this. So I need to compensate now to make up for those numbers. Um, Cause I have done it at a point in time and it's, it's, it's not good for your mental health. But I'm not saying that everyone gets like that. People are able to count calories in a, in an objective way that it, it doesn't doesn't affect their psychological health or their emotional health or anything like that. So, so yeah, portion control for your short answer too. Hey, <laughs> the context is important. <laughs> I love the context. I if I say if I have to say one thing like that, like an answer, I'll have to talk for about five five minutes to explain what everything goes in behind it. But it's like I was speaking to somebody the other day. It's like a quote. A quote is like a, an idea put into a few words. You were just given all yeah. the, the explanation behind a few words. It has to I be know. Done. I think it's my own brain and how it works. I always feel I need to know everything. So I'm like, people need to know that too, and they don't actually probably care. <laughs> I know I'm sure that was very useful uh, uh, very valuable when it comes to like you were speaking about uh, like binge eating and binge eating disorder um, I've seen a couple of posts that you had done recently recently about that um, yeah do you want to give uh, a little bit of um, an insight into like you know some strategies that people would use if they're trying to or, like strategies you would use For, if you had a client had a... yeah if you had a client okay. that so there would be a difference between having an eating disorder and having disordered eating. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't take on anyone that had an eating disorder because yeah. they need multidisciplinary approach. So I was never actually diagnosed with an eating disorder. So that's why I'll openly say that I was never diagnosed. But I, I know that it was an eating disorder. I've educated myself on it. Um, I also had severe mental health issues at that time that I never sought help for either. So I was always this person that was like, I don't need help from anyone. But that, so that was probably the phase two. But the first phase was like, I actually didn't have that awareness that I had anxiety or depression or eating disorders or anything like that. And I was so fixated on like my IBS and my symptoms and everything mm-hmm. like that and, and fixing my body that I had no awareness uh, I didn't relate how how it was affecting me mentally essentially um and then one day I discovered well it was kind of over a few months wasn't one day but I I was lucky enough to work in a hospital so I was out easy access to getting tests and I had chest pain severe chest pain for a few weeks and I remember getting tested for it because eventually I was just like I'm gonna drop dead one day and literally I can't cope with this so they got me tested and everything was all clear. And I was like, hell, I was like, I have severe, severe chest pain. Um, and then once I was told I had the all clear, it was like this big relief um, for a few weeks then. And then they were like, did that chest pain go away? And I was like, oh yeah, it actually did. Um, and that kind of started highlighting to me about like me stressing out and getting worked up about things. Um, but again, it took like a, it took a long time. Then it took a, a long time to even relate my mental health to my IBS and stuff like that. So there was a lot of elements going on. It was never just about the food. It was always mm-hmm. about like trying to figure out what the fuck was going on in my body. Um, and then uh, there was also like the laxatives element of it as well. So I, I would have used laxatives in an abusive way. So I essentially would have maybe eaten a lot of food and binge on food and stuff like that and then I would have actually drank laxatives so that's something I haven't actually said before <laughs> but um, I think it's important to talk about it because I think I think that's where that passion comes from me that I think mm. it's really irresponsible for GPs to prescribe laxatives like willy-nilly without knowing the full information for for people with IBS and um, because it can open up issues like that I but it was never like I never related the compensatory behavior like that. It was more so that food is going to cause me harm 
but then it, it was also the calories and the, the weight gain in the background so it was never just about like my body whereas that's what you typically would associate with an eating disorder and things like that so I had my excuse why I wasn't I wasn't associated with an eating disorder so that's how I justified things like that and and I'd even openly talk about it but it was never in a way that like it was seen as like the eating disorder because I'd talk about how like I can't go to the toilet and I'm eating I'm drinking all these laxatives and there's nothing happening so it was always kind of this thing that one I wasn't able to talk about but then when I did with my friends it was always a joke and we'd laugh about it and all that kind of stuff and so it was never something that they could see that it was affecting me psychologically um but with the binge eating disorder I was essentially I felt like there was like an exorcist making me this food and I always had like it was the Nutella was like my drug of choice. Um, and it was always this like joke that my friends would get me jars of Nutella because they know that I was obsessed with it. And then we go to Amsterdam and I just get loads of crepes because they had Nutella. Oh, they are so fucking that. good in Amsterdam. <laughs> they are so good. Yeah. Oh, Especially after real. going into the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's funny that you're saying you turned yourself off to them. And I think I've actually turned myself off Nutella. Oh. Um yeah, but I I you know I still like it, but I I just it just reminds me of bad vibes. So I wouldn't actually have that same like happiness when I when I eat it. Yeah. Um, but like that, I would I'd I'd sit there and I'd or stand. I actually remember even just standing there dipping into the spoon, and I just have a spoon and I just have another spoon, and then I'd leave it down and I'd be like, no, I'm stopping now. But then I'd come back to it time and time again. And I physically wouldn't be able to stop myself. And, and I, I'd eat, like I'd polish a jar of Nutella, the big ones, not the small ones. And I'd even dip biscuits into them and everything like that. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. Um, but I, again, like that, I never was like, I have an eating disorder. It was always about like my mental health and stuff like that. So I think that that's where, once I start improving my mental health and understanding my condition and everything like that, my life, would have gotten better in parallel so the eating disorder and the behaviors that I that I was using to feel better and to reward that um and to escape and things like that um they they subsided now not instantly but over time so it was never just like a flick of the switch it was as everything else in my life improved my mental health I did go to counseling um but again even when I went to counseling it was talking about like life things and work and family and all that kind of stuff so it was never the focus was never on that and it wasn't until like it's probably two years now and all that happened about four years ago five to four years ago it was over a period of time so and it wasn't until about two years ago that I looked back and I was like holy shit what the hell was going on with me <laughs> so yeah it's been a journey <laughs> yeah hey it's all about the journey I'm sure you've learned plenty of valuable lessons yeah definitely and I, I that's why I'm so passionate now that I can help other people and overcome this and even get them to prevent this from happening to understand their bodies and to to educate themselves on like what they're going through and just not feed into any of these fads and myths and bullshit that's online (laughs) yeah i i noticed that pretty early on i can't remember when i started following you on instagram it was a good while back but you're very anti-fad early on which is i respect that a lot and uh there's a there's a good few people that are doing it doing like a lot of posts around these anti-fads and the needs just keep going because people just keep going back to them. You know? Yeah. I think that there still is, um, if there's all, you're never going to find the right thing to say. There's still like the health at every size movement, which I, I do. When I first saw it, I criticized it because I was like, there are people in a bigger body, they're overweight, they're unhealthy, all this kind of stuff. But you miss the, the element of that people could have underlying conditions that makes it harder for them to lose weight or to move. You miss the side of things that people could have mental health issues and they could have eating disorders. Excuse me. They don't have to be in, they don't have to be anorexic to have an eating disorder. Um, so I have spent a lot of time trying to understand that side of things. But I think, again, with always, with everything, someone always takes the piss. So they, there still are those people that are associating themselves with this movement, which focuses on not always feeling the need to lose weight, but focusing on your health and your mental health. Um, and they, they identify themselves with this movement as a way to not take accountability or responsibility for their, their lifestyle and their actions. Um, so I do feel that I'm trying to navigate this in terms of calories still matter. 
but they're not the be all end all. There's a lot of other things that make up the picture of health. Absolutely. Well said. Um, th- thanks again for sharing that story. I'm sure that was a that, that that's a difficult one to share if it's your first time. Appreciate no it. No problem. Um, yeah. No, I knew it, it was going to come out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing that uh, it gets uh, I get asked a lot, and I'm always like pointing them to someone else's posts or something like that, is around like dairy and bread and all these things causing bloat, uh, causing bloating, and it's it's one thing that like it's a very, it gets portrayed very black and white a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, um when it comes when it comes to that, what would be what would you tell people that like have this have this view that if you have a bit of dairy, if you have a bit of bread, they're automatically gonna bloat if they have no maybe justification for it. Yeah, so so there's two elements of it. It's there's the what's called the nocebo effect. Um there's what I was talking about earlier on with how your you are kind of going into that and if you're a bit stressed eating out um which kind of ties in with the nocebo effect and then there's also the FODMAPs so with the nocebo effect um you've heard of the placebo effect before yeah, yeah yeah so the nocebo effect is like the opposite that someone will think that by consuming some food that it's going to cause some harm mm-hmm. and they've actually done research studies on this with specifically with dairy and gluten which is like the two top myths um if now it can cause issues with people so that's the FODMAP side of things I'll, I'll get to that in a second but with the nocebo effect people can actually convince themselves that they're causing themselves that that food will cause them harm um so your body has a, an emotional response to that and it re- will react um because your body wants to protect itself and to fight off any harm um so people having that preconception of food before they even consume it they're probably going to get themselves worked up being like, Oh my God, am I going to bloat yet? Am I bloated yet? And they start checking themselves and then, Oh, they're bloated surprise. <laughs> but it's like the stress response, the emotional response, all that kind of stuff. They're not even actually having the food, giving the food a chance to not cause harm in the body essentially. And, um, but then there are also people that can be intolerant to the likes of um, dairy because of the lactose. So lactose is a is a type of FODMAP, so it can cause harm. Um, but again, it's the dose; it's individual specific. I used to think that dairy was harmful for me, um, and I actually only re- reintroduced dairy in the past, I'd say, few months or a year, maybe. Oh, the face in the camera now. <laughs> we fuck up. <laughs> um, I only reintroduced it recently and I, I just noticed that my nails are absolutely so much stronger and healthier because I'm, oh, yeah. I obviously was lacking in calcium. Um, but sorry, sidetracking. The, uh, Eat the sidetracks coming. I'm enjoying them. <laughs> <laughs> the, the FODMAPs is with, with the lactose, it's not actually all dairy. So people think that they need to cut everything out, but there are certain dairy products that are low in lactose. So the likes of your cheddar, um, mature cheeses like parmesan and things like that. I think the camembert. Um, and you can have a look at the back of the packets of food um, where you've got like your carb- carbohydrate, nutritional value, and then the of which sugars. I can't remember the specific number, and I'm probably going to butcher here, but I think it's like 0.5 grams per 100 gram or 0.8 grams or something like that. So if it's that number or lower, it's guaranteed to be lactose-free, essentially. Maybe you can push it to about one gram. Um, but if it's over that, the sugars are over that one gram value, then it's most likely higher in lactose. Um, so you should probably avoid that. So that would be like your yogurt, your milk and things like that. Um, now, there are like lactose-free things that you can get, um, like lactose-free milk, lactose-free yogurts, alternatives and things like that. Um, but again, you don't have to cut them out at all. Um, it should be done like the FODMAP approach earlier on that you're restricting it and then reintroducing it. Um, to see if it does actually cause any harm or if it's just all in your head. <laughs> yeah, I, I have this weird thing when it comes to like, if I have a really cheesy pasta, I used to almost expect to feel sick after. Um, I think it was partly, right, whenever I was in college, I used to drink nearly a litre of milk a day and that went on for a while. That was like my, that was my sustenance. That's what I lived off <laughs> and pasta. Uh, but like then after that, I was, I, I would eat a uh, cheesy pasta. I would be in agony stomach wise. Then I realized it was probably because I was drinking loads of milk with that as well. Probably having a yoga earlier in the day. And maybe I'm just not 
Oh, this fly is getting on my nerves now. <laughs> For the people who aren't watching and only listen, there's a fly buzzing around my face and on the camera. <laughs> um, that uh, it was probably the dose was just way too much for me. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It can be dosage dependent, but it can also be like what you're lacking, like what I was talking about earlier on. Yeah, pasta doesn't have much fiber in it, and you're having loads of protein, like you're having the lactose and things like that. Sorry, did I say lactose doesn't have fiber in it? Your pasta doesn't have fiber in it. Yeah. So it's again what you're not including. Like I bet you didn't have any vegetables in there. Oh, this either. is this was back when it was broccoli days <laughs> and uh, <laughs> broccoli and no, it was the broccoli was the only veg I think I, I ate yeah. and I, I disliked it heavily. <laughs> yeah, and I think broccoli's FODMAP as well. So broccoli would trigger me as well. I can't eat broccoli unless it's like soft. Um, which is so annoying because everywhere you go, you order your broccoli with your veg, and it's always rock hard. Rock I actually hard. don't eat it now. I used to just just eat it, but I know that for a fact that it will literally cause pain in my stomach if I eat broccoli that's not cooked properly. So, so yeah, it's just it's again, it's all awareness, it's all education. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's it, for some people a little bit of education can really help a lot i know whenever i learned a little bit more about like my own body and like a little bit more about nutrition it makes makes your decisions a lot clearer obviously you do need a guiding hand because you could be reading a lot of shit like i'm sure yeah. both of us probably read a lot of shit when we started uh, trying to learn a little bit more absolutely absolutely so much <laughs> bullshit. what what was one of the was there any fads around like that early on that you kind of tried out that maybe you are like i was when i was younger i was like it's all about keto i was like yeah I'm all down to keto red and I used to eat no no carbs at all, I'd say for about a year. Yeah, I did low carb, um, or like no carb. And I I again it was kind of from excuse me, it was from like I thought carbs were harmony as well with mm. the IBS. So I removed it without actually realizing that I was just loading my body with vegetables and protein. And there's just like oh, just asking for bloating and distension and everything else. Um but what was it the yeah so I would have done I, I would have done keto right but I wouldn't have actually had high fats I would have yeah. so a keto diet is moderate protein high fats low carb or little to no carbs whereas people will still do high protein and I don't think you can actually get into it into a state where you're producing ketone bodies if you have high protein Um, I think that's some, something I've read before um, so people are doing it wrong, first of all. Yeah. Um, but that anyways, I would, yeah, definitely. I, I would have just done like low carb diets, a, a fear of like carbs and calories and things like that. Again, what we we're talking about earlier on, high protein things. Anything with protein was good, and any sort of like low calorie alternative was like brilliant. I had like my top, my protein toffee drops and low cal syrups on everything. <laughs> I didn't really touch that trend really. I think I used I bought one tub of the syrup and then after that I was like, I'll just use maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. So much better. So much better. So much better. I have to say I, I, I love hearing the strong Dublin accent. I don't be hearing that much Irish accent <laughs> around here. Um what part of Dublin are you from? Uh I'm from the north side. Um I'm from Artane. Ah, oh, very good, very good. I went Are to- you Drahada or Dundalk? Uh, I'm ashamed that you said Drada. Now nah, I'm joking. No disrespect to people from Drada. I am from Dundalk. <laughs> I, I, was very I knew good. you were going to say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> if, and it's the other way around. If somebody was from Drada, they would say something bad about Dundalk. It's always the way. Yeah. That's yeah. an ongoing I'm thing. <laughs> that you were saying that. I went to college with two lads. One was from Dundalk and one was from Drogheda. Oh, and yeah. like, I was laughing that you were saying you're pint of milk because that's literally what they used to have all the time. And they're Muju. <laughs> Mu- oh, Muju. The chocolate milk over here, I used to think it wasn't as good as Muju. I found a better one. But Muju, I used to live off. Yeah. Class. I, I tried to actually have... Um, I went into the doctor today. I had a weird craving for Muju just out of nowhere I think I was hung over um, and I, they didn't have it but they had like chocolate protein milk so I got that and it's just like not even the same it's like <sighs> low calorie sweetener and it just wasn't nice nah you can't be like good Irish milk and then add chocolate in that's that's a fucking winner <laughs> that is a winner uh, speaking about being hung over when it comes to like uh, alcohol and like weight loss people always ditch, yeah. ditch the alcohol that's always the first thing I would have done that as well when I was younger uh, not drinking because you know I you can't drink and get in shape what sort yeah. of um maybe not guidelines but how would you approach it with clients yourself or just advice to people 
if they wanted to. Yeah, so I think that I, I listened to your podcast the other day that you were saying that you would have typically restricted all alcohol because you were on this challenge and you were like on plan and you were basically trying to go through a period of time to get your goals and then what you do is you'd reintroduce alcohol and then it would just go out the window i um, would be twisted I, i've never been as drunk as those nights like you know black, <laughs> blackout drunk don't remember it and i probably didn't drink that much either yeah, i know um that's that's one thing i would advise people not to do i don't see anything wrong with drinking alcohol obviously it's like it's like a toxic thing to put into your body. There's, let's call it spade a spade, but I, I still think that everything in moderation is fine. Um, like if you're living a lifestyle and you're restricting yourself from going out and socializing and things like that, that's not healthy. Although it's 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 probably not healthy to be getting blackout drunk. Mm. Um, we've all been there, but um, it's still unhealthy for you to be living the lifestyle that you think so it's unhealthy to be living a life that you think is 100% healthy if you're not getting that social connection, relaxing, enjoying yourself and things like that. So that that's, that's, I think that's key to living like that balanced lifestyle. Balanced is a word that has just been, the meaning has been taken from it. But I think that that really embodies balance is to make sure you're enjoying life because it's so short. Like all this coronavirus stuff has literally just taught you that nothing is guaranteed in life and your life can be taken away in an instant. So why not have a good time? Like literally. Exactly. Um, but with regards to like calories and stuff like that, like I don't drink pints anymore. Um, I never was a beer drinker anyway, but I love cider. I love an El Copperberg. Um, what flavor? Yeah. Uh, mixed berry, not the strawberry Stand- one. Standard. I I forget like the cider game in Ireland. It, it, it's it's like two flavors. It's like strawberry and lime and uh, mixed berries. Whereas I I be having like pineapple well, and raspberry and mad shit over yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I love. You used to have record leg over there with the mango and raspberry one. I love that one. Yeah, they're lovely. The one I'm drinking is Old Moose cider. It's oh, it's so good. So too yeah. tasty. It's like it doesn't taste like there's alcohol. I know. Um, I was in Australia at the start of the year and Summersby. Oh my God, you'd literally drink it like water. It's so nice. So good. Um, But they're so high in calories. They're literally so high in calories. But they're also um, a trigger for my IBS. So I don't even know if I stopped drinking them because of the high calories or because of the harm that they caused to me. Mm. Um, But I I would have had a good few nights out where I would have been like crippled over in pain and having to take um tablets and stuff like that I, even, I think i even went home a few times you know that that would have been hard for me to go home because i would have trooped on through the pain <laughs> i i i think that's the important thing is to have that awareness about how drinks can really any sort of liquid calories like your coffee all that kind of stuff can really just i'd rather eat my calories and enjoy my food than just waste it i know i don't i don't like saying waste and calories and things like that um but there's no better way to describe it that that's essentially what you're doing is you're 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 opening yourself up to eating way over your calories by drinking them um which obviously is enjoyable but you can have other alternatives so like your vodka soda water lime your diet soda mixers um your gin and tonics all those kind of things now i think tonic water still has a good bit in it it's like um, 70 is it so, yeah yeah so, but it's not that's how it's bad not like, I, it's like a calculator in my head when you mention something, <laughs> i'm gonna throw out the number yeah <laughs> um but it's good awareness but um yeah but again it's it's a hard one to navigate with ibs because you've got the low calorie sweeteners in those drinks that can cause harm as well i try my best to avoid like fizzy drinks but the reality is it's not going to happen when you have a few drinks and you're like, ah, give us a Prosecco. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I do try my best to not trigger it too much, but then sometimes you're like, I just want to enjoy cocktails and I'll just take the, the, out, the outcome of it. Um, if it's potentially pain or whatever, um, because you do living with IBS and things like that, you just have to sometimes be like, do you know what? I just want to just feel normal for a few minutes and just let loose and not feel the need to have this thing shadowing over me all the time and ruining the fun. So yeah, so there are, again, it's like calories, but it's also about like health and having the understanding that just because something's local doesn't mean it's going to be better for you. Um, it's all about like what you have, your pre pre can pre-existing conditions um and you're specific for your goals and your body and stuff like that so 
so yeah brilliant brilliant love love a good cocktail although once you get more than two or three oh. you're, you're asking for trouble like <laughs> <laughs> we got cocktails ordered on the weekend actually um and i'd never been so happy to have a porn star martini I was like, yeah. <laughs> that is such a basic cocktail choice i would have expected oh, such idea. a basic bitch <laughs> <laughs> i love cocktails i like i used to be afraid to admit it but like i just fucking love cocktails not even yeah. the man manly whiskey ones the fruity ones <laughs> okay. you have to own it exactly exactly right an hour's passed very very quickly oh has it it's absolutely flown uh we'll we'll come on to an hour and five minutes uh we'll come on to like uh the last last couple of questions to be quick enough um obviously we're all coming well most of us are coming out of lockdown uh but what's the one thing that you did while in lockdown that you wouldn't have done otherwise mm throwing a spanner in the works i hate surprises i should have told you this. <laughs> um that i wouldn't have done otherwise um i probably wouldn't have had as much time to set up my my clients now so i wouldn't have probably taken the initiative to to set it up straight away i was i would have probably put it off for a little bit longer and been like oh i'll just wait till i have this time to do this and whereas now i was like i have the time i'm gonna do it now Mm. um so that would have been the biggest thing i think for me um class yeah i do like everything else is kind of going on as normal for me <laughs> is a, uh, that's that's fair enough that's good uh for myself it was this podcast that's what i i got stuck into ah fair play <laughs> um when it what was the next one uh any any movies or any series that st- uh, stood out there since obviously we've all been a bit consuming with uh netflix or we've been consuming a bit more is there anything that stood out yet? lately um stood out or that i enjoyed <laughs> I, I wouldn't watch i don't watch netflix or anything like that too much um i kind of just have series that i like and if i can't find something i like watching i don't watch it i don't like wasting my time i know that sounds like proper snobby you. but i, I don't you. like wasting my time i'd rather do something else um i was watching afterlife uh That's... queen of the south is back um I was watching something else before that, but I can't remember. Oh, I watched White Lines as well. Um, yeah, that was good. But Afterlife was so good just for a nice little cry. It's like so funny, but also so emotional. <laughs> it's very different to like what like it, it, uh, Ricky Gervais used to be like. He used, just used to be funny, but he's like powerful enough with the comedy now. Like, yeah, you laugh, but it's it's very serious at the same time. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's done a few podcasts and like explaining it as well. And they're really good. Oh, I haven't seen the new season, so I'll have to listen to that. I'll watch that and then listen to podcasts, geek out in that class. Do prepare for the tears. <laughs> oh, I probably will cry. I'm not going to. I was watching, <laughs> watching Lord of the Rings the other day and I was like, tears, tears coming out at the end. I was like, Jesus Lord Christ. <laughs> I've watched this 30 times and I still, still get tears. We're all very emotional <laughs> right now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, any, have you read any books lately or is there any really good books to stand out in your mind? doesn't have to be health and fitness related anything yeah so i would listen to audiobooks i'm not a reader um i just can't do it I, I bought a few books last year and i was like this is the year that i'm gonna read i'm gonna make myself do it um i just can't do it it's just not for me so i listen to audiobooks and i'm listening to a few at the moment because i'm not getting my commute so i'm not really getting as much time to do it um, That's fucking me up as well i'm used yeah. to get like an hour each way yeah so obviously that's probably an excuse as well i try and do <laughs> like go on my walk and listen to them but i have like a build-up you get like i did a monthly subscription but i have a build-up like i don't know what now um i'm 20 credits to, <laughs> yeah, but i'm listening to um eckhart told a new earth um, i like listening to kind of spiritual books mm. i used to be very like anti-spiritual because i'm a scientist so i'd be very much like that's not true that i don't believe in that but I like it in terms of it's not about God or religion or anything like that. It's about like humans and like connection and things like that um, and how things are happening in the world. And it kind of does teach it to be like, if things are happening, they're happening for a reason. But then also things are happening to you. What is it teaching you? It's like yeah. you, you can learn a lesson every time rather than questioning why people are doing things to you um, or why something's happened to you. Um, what else am I listening to? I'm listening to one about neuroscience called evolve your brain Class. and i think one about periods and one about 
for oh, human at the behavior. same time. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's really bad. <laughs> but I just I, can't like, leave the credits in there. I have to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just bought loads of books on it and just like sitting them, sitting them in the library. I'm not listening to any. Um, I haven't been able to, well, not I haven't been able, I haven't been prioritizing audiobooks. Um, I haven't been getting the commute. I've been actually sitting yeah. down and reading, which I used to find so hard. But getting back into it myself. But with the, with the first book, what was it Eckhart Tolle? You said. Yeah. Yeah, that's like New I. New work. New earth. Um, I think my little sister ordered, ordered one of his books lately. She's always sending me all these little books that she she does be getting. Um, <laughs> one thing I found though, I I when I studied uh, sports science and health, I would have got that uh, viewpoint of like you know if you can't prove it, it's not it's not real. Um, yeah. It's a it's a hard frame to get out of because there's some things that science just can't really explain. That sounds like a fucking cliche. I regret saying this right away. <laughs> No, it, it is true because like even if you think about what I was saying earlier on with gut health, um, it wasn't it was something that wasn't proven until like two or three years ago. Mm. They hadn't got the research studies and, and if, if in science you can't test something um to prove it's there if you don't have tools to do so, um you can build a research study, but if you don't have a technology that's up to scratch to do that, you, you can't you can't test it. Um so there are, I definitely do believe that there's so many different things out there that we don't know. Um, and I don't want to get too woo-woo, but like all stuff to do with like energy and all that kind of stuff. I'm starting to kind of, I'm more open-minded to it now. And I'm starting to see how like things are happening for a reason and all that kind of stuff. But I'm also still like afraid of my mouth about this stuff because I'm like, I'm a scientist. <laughs> I talk like this <laughs> hey it's okay to it's okay to like t- uh, contemplate some things and like still like delve into that like y- you can be open-minded yeah. but still like like not cr- criticize everyone but like critique it to a degree yeah exactly you, you you call bullshit when things are a bit far-fetched but then I'm also like I want to learn and discover new things as well and I don't think that everything has to have like a, a definition or a, a clear what's the word I'm looking for like uh we don't have to understand everything you can kind of feel things I don't know if that makes any sense <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of people don't like admitting that they don't know things because it just takes away that locus uh, that control doesn't it yeah exactly. <laughs> well I've had a really really enjoyable conversation there's definitely a lot of nuggets there for people to take away from um thanks very much for coming on where can uh, people find you um on Instagram at the health one um, and I have my website as well at the health one, but that's linked in my bio. I don't use Facebook or anything like that, just literally Instagram. Class. Thanks very much for having, uh, I was about to say having me on. Thanks very much for coming on. <laughs> it was basically my chat show, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. All right. Uh, Thanks well, for we, we are. Muchas gracias for listening to the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. As I mentioned before, give it a share to your story. Let me know what you think about it tell your friends about it and also educate yourself about current events and people of other cultures and learn a little bit more about the injustices that are going on around you shit's fucked up and like recent events are only highlighting what bad shit that's already been going on and it's every single one of our duties to learn a little bit more about our own biases and the way that we look at other people and how we treat other people we're all humans we should all treat each other the same treat somebody by their character not by the look of their skin and just fucking reflecting your own behavior you have a lovely day thank you very much for listening